All right. Good evening. This sounded like a good idea at first, and now I feel like I just have to swivel to see everybody. So excuse any awkwardness. Um, Yeah, for those of you that never met my wife, she does exist. She does come to church. She's not backslidden, uh, contrary to popular belief, apparently. And so uh, (laughs) I remind people often, we we currently have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And uh, I don't know any of you that have small kids and nap routines and life schedules. When you become a parent, it's less about your schedule and more about satisfying and appeasing little ones. <laughs> and so, uh, so right now we're in that season where, uh, for the sanity of, of mom and dad and our kids, uh, Nikki is often back at the house Sunday mornings hanging with the kids and making sure nap times are happening. And, uh, but uh, we do tell them about Jesus. We're not... Uh, we're not pagans yet, so I, I, yeah, I, I tell people all the time, I, I love the church. You, you will be hard-pressed to find anyone that loves the church more than me and is called to it, uh, but if you're in the church more than a few minutes, people will always give you their unsolicited opinions and uh, will often tell their unsolicited opinions to other people instead of coming to you about it. And so I tell people, look... Uh, if you ever have a question, just come ask. <laughs> so uh, that goes for anybody across the board. Uh, like I said, we're family and we like doing family together. And uh, if you're ever concerned for our salvation, please just call and check in on us. We'll, we appreciate it. And, and food goes a long way. You know, food often helps redeem my salvation in many ways. So um, would you like to add to that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I do really want to say, like, I know... Gosh, it's been for me since 2004 here, so it's been 20 years of my life. So there are some people that I'm looking at that I have seen for 20 years, which is crazy to say because I still feel like I'm 20, you know, so I don't know how that happened. But I just do want to say, like, I know, um, obviously, I appreciate any concerns that any of you have because I know it's founded in a place of love and where are you? Where have you been? What's happening? And all of that. And I just want to say thank you for your concern. And for those of you who've reached out to me like this year, just to check on me and mom and like even losing my mom earlier this year, I just want to tell you, I appreciate that. And um, yes, if you are concerned about my relationship with Jesus, hopefully you won't be after tonight. But (laughs) if you are, you can talk to me because I do value all of your opinion and um, it's important to me. So I love all of you. So yeah, and it's beautifully said by my backslidden wife. Yes, so, um, <laughs> he will protect me at all costs. So I wanted to make sure I threw the grace out there. You yeah, know? so I'm like, let me just you know. <laughs> she is the grace-oriented one in our marriage yes, for, yes, sure. Yes, for sure. Um, anyway, we just wanted to kind of intro ourselves. You know, we're, we're doing the next four weeks. Uh, on this marriage series, and so we kind of felt like it was important for you to get to know us a little bit, and to understand that, you know, we didn't just, Ronnie didn't draw names out of a hat, and that's how we got selected to, to do this. Um, you know, several months ago, I just had this impression from the Lord that uh, we, were, we were in a season where just praying and going after marriages were super, super important. And um, that word kind of stuck out to me because as we get into our story, we went through a similar place about 15 years ago um, that nearly cost us our marriage. And um, I was driving down the road up here in front of the church, not really talking to the Lord, just music on, kind of doing my thing. And I heard the Lord real clearly say, uh, the church is getting ready to go into a season where the enemy will use divorce to split the church. 
I was like, oh, okay, that's great. Thanks, Lord. You know, and uh, in about two weeks, I was in one of the darkest seasons I had ever been through. And uh, literally eight hours away from us finalizing our divorce, and we'll kind of get into some of that. But, but when I felt the Lord a couple of months ago, just kind of giving this inkling about how important it was to go after our marriages, uh, you know, I told Rodney, uh, Paula had a very similar word within a couple of days, you know, us not knowing each other, uh, had the same word, and a couple of, two other people I talked to had the same, uh, kind of the same sensation. And so we, uh, thankfully we have a, uh, senior pastor that loves the Lord and hears the Lord, and when our team kind of brings stuff to the table, you know, he, he really uh, is on it. And so he's, you know, he was supporting us about, hey, what do we do with this? How do we kind of go about it? And um, we didn't really know. We've never hosted a marriage conference. We've never hosted a marriage series. You know, we've done marriage counseling, but it was all fairly new. But we just said, hey, we just need to do something. You know, sometimes uh, we used to tell students all the time when you're in a weird season um, and you don't know what to do next, sometimes it's just good, good to remember why you took the first step. And so sometimes you just have to take that initial step and kind of get the ball rolling, and the Lord really honors that in the process. But uh, we just want to kind of tell you a little bit about us, and we'll kind of get into some things. But uh, Nikki and I, we met here. This is mm-hmm. this is where she fell madly in love with me, and uh, yeah. And so we were right out there uh, on a puppet show night. <laughs> Sixteen and there, on a puppet yeah, show night. I, I yes. could still to this day. Uh, I was, was trying our, to leave when I saw Rodney would trick us. I'm yep. just kidding. He yeah, wouldn't. yeah. He would, that, that was back in the yes, days where yes. Rodney would trick us. Yes, yeah. He we wouldn't were tell youth. the youth that we were having puppet show stuff, so all the kids would show up yeah. and support the kids. And then when you would get here and realized it was puppet show, and so all the kids that had driver's license would go back to their car, you know. Yes. But because I yes. was a youth leader, mm-hmm. I had to endure, you know, and, and really support. And I was and, too uh, nice. And, yeah, I got in the building, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. They saw me. I can't leave now. <laughs> Suckered in now. <laughs> so I hung out and talked to him in the back for the yeah. puppet show. Yeah, and Bless the kids. I have a kid now. It'll be great puppet shows. But when you're 16, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to watch the puppet, puppet show. Puppet Let's be real. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and my very smoothness, she told me she was supposed to go on a blind date that night. I was. And mm-hmm. after church. Yeah. And uh, I told her, so, well, you can go on your blind date or I'm going to get dinner. You can come get dinner with me. You choose. And uh, I left. <laughs> And uh, she made the best choice in her entire life and decided to go eat dinner with me. And I did. That was it. That was yeah. it. He really I did. He said, you can go meet that guy or go to dinner with me. And I was like, <laughs> So that oh, guy is still waiting at Olive you, Garden to this you. day for <laughs> yeah. her to show up. Don't and so know bless where he's him. At. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, we met here. This was home church for us. This is kind of where we, uh, we did life. We grew up in, in that sense of just dating. And uh, shortly after, Rodney uh, exiled me to North, North Carolina. And up at Ichthus, and so we kind of had a long-distance relationship type thing going, and, and uh, through a longer story that we probably won't get to for the sake of time, um, just kind of felt like we went through this season where we, <clears throat> I, always, I say this with a little cringe in me because we've counseled a lot of people, but we both felt like we heard the Lord say to get married and do ministry school together. And now we've counseled many people, and they're like, well, the Lord told us to get married, and we're like, probably not, but okay. And, uh, yeah. you know, at and so, 18, <laughs> I firmly so, believed it was the Lord. And then yeah. now another 18 says that to me, and I'm like, you need to go back yeah, and hear the Yeah, Lord. you need to go talk to Jesus again. <laughs> yeah, talk and to so God we're again. like, you know, it's like, like your <laughs> yeah. parents say, you know, do as I say, not as yeah, I do yeah. kind of thing. So, Just kidding. I will um, support you. But yeah, so we were, we were kind of doing this relationship, and... And uh, I told her, we were in this place, I said, hey, I, you know, I have three mentors in my life that I need to 
you know, talk to and I need to know that they support us getting married and I have to meet with them and get their approval. And she was like, okay. And, I already uh, dealt with rejection. <laughs> so this was freaking me out. And I'm so, sorry. Uh, I was so scared. <laughs> so brother Wayne, who was my senior pastor at the time, and then Rodney, uh, who was a uh, kind of a spiritual father to me. And then Bill Dingle, who was another spiritual dad that I was currently working under said, Hey, I have to meet with these three and, you know, tell them like what we feel and, and I need their approval. And she was like, okay. And so I went and met with Bill and told him the whole thing. And, and he was like, yeah, Lonnie, I don't think it's the Lord. I don't think you guys should get married. And I was like, okay, got it. And I was like, surely Rodney, Rodney will support me. And I met with Rodney and told him the whole thing. He was like, yeah, Lonnie, I just don't feel like it's the Lord. I don't think you guys should get married. And I'm like, betrayal. But I will support you know? Everybody did say, we don't think it's the Lord, but I, I will support you. you <laughs> and, uh, well, then I go to Brother good, Wayne, good and I'm like, you know, two strikes already. We'll see what happens. And tell Brother Wayne the same thing. And he looks at me and said, Lonnie, that sounds exactly like the Lord. I think you guys should get married, and I want to know how I can support it. And I'm like, come on, Lord. Like, what, what do I do with the this? The one you know? person that we were like, and, he's uh, not yeah, going Yeah, and I was for like, for sure, he's going to shut this down now. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I go back, you know, I kind of tell her what happened. And I said, hey, I have to, like, process with the Lord. Like, I don't, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, I have to honor these men in my life, but... I remember talking to the Lord, and he just real clearly said, can you, can you honor what I've told you and still honor those three men? And I said, yeah, I think so. He's like, well, go back and meet with them. And I told Nikki, I said, hey, I have to go meet with uh, Bill and Rodney, and if they tell me they can't be involved in our wedding or they're just adamant against it, I, I can't marry you. Like, I just, I can't. And uh, so I went and met with Bill, and he was like, look, I don't, I don't think it's the best timing, but I support you guys. I love you guys. I'll walk through, you, you know, through the whole thing with you. I'll help do the wedding. And I was like, okay, that's one. Mm-hmm. I went and met with Rodney, and I was like, please, Lord. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, look, I love you guys. I support you guys. I may not agree with the timing, but I'll walk with you through it. I'll do the wedding. And I was like, yes. And uh, we got married, and all three of them were right. You know, we, we should have not almost got married. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what do you do with that? And, and so... Um, we kind of share that because we kind of, we went to that. I moved from North Carolina. I was home for a week. We got married, uh, went on our honeymoon for a week, and then moved 3,000 miles to California to do ministry school. With no money besides no what money. we got from being no house, married, nowhere yeah. to live. I was working at a nonprofit, that so was I was it. poor. Yeah. Um, you know, yes. if you haven't worked for a nonprofit. And I never worked, so yeah. I was really poor. And uh, that was a fun <laughs> conversation asking her dad. You know, she was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Can I marry your daughter? By the way, I don't have a job, and can we move across the country? And uh, I made sure to be on the other side of my truck when I asked him that, just to, me, just to give me a head start. I knew I could outrun him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, for whatever reason, as crazy as he is, I guess, said yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got married. We moved across the country to do ministry school together. And uh, if you've never had the privilege of doing ministry school like this, they basically, the first year, take all of your junk and just put it on the table. And so we're newly married. We have no community. We have no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're living in a 500-square-foot apartment. We had went from a long-distance relationship to now being stuck with each other with in a 500-square-foot yeah. apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, we realized very quickly that we both had major issues, <laughs> to our surprise. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Nikki was going through stuff. I was going through stuff. We were an absolute mess six days a week. <laughs> Maybe we had a break one day a week. And we were doing ministry school, and then... In my very uh, honoring way, I was like, Nikki shouldn't have to work our first year, and we need money, so I'll go work two or three jobs and do school and be newly married. Mm-hmm. Horrible idea. I'd wake up at 3 in the morning to go work at Target from 3.30 until whatever time, and leave there and go work a second job to come home, take a shower. We'd go to ministry school, and then we'd 
basically one of us would ball, um, just be a puddle in the house because of, you know, just marriage and life and we all have issues. And, and uh, we kind of went through this season and it was, it was tough. Uh, and, and what was even more tough in that is that, you know, I was, I was a good Christian guy. I've been through ministry. And, uh, you know, what every good Christian does when you get married is you fix your wife. It's your responsibility to fix your wife, right? Uh, no one told me that wasn't the case. So I very much assumed that as a good husband, I must fix Nikki. That was my, that was my job. Well, I didn't know how to fix myself, uh, so let alone fix another human being, but I tried. I would tell her stuff that I wasn't even sure that I believed in because I was running out of things to tell her to make her feel better. You ever got to that part where you're just like, I'm just giving advice like, I read this on a cereal box and maybe it works. Like I don't, I don't, at this point, I don't know. I'm just trying. And um, at no point I was in a place that had phenomenal counselors. I mean, we just had resources out all ends. And at no point did I ever come to the conclusion, probably a good idea for me to go talk to somebody. And uh, I was like, oh, I can do this. We can figure this out, right? Yeah, it yeah. was not a good it idea. It was not good, yeah. no. It was not good. <laughs> Anything that stays in the dark has the power to take you out. It's just something I learned. Yep. Yeah. Don't leave it in the dark. We left it all in the dark. We were basically our own island. And uh, just, uh, what, 18, 21, just trying to figure it out. And uh, so we did school, finished up school. Uh, We moved back home, what we thought was going to be the summer. And um, about two months, we left all of our stuff in California. And about two months in, I heard the Lord say, I, I want you to stay here until I tell you otherwise. And to me, like, in my immaturity, I was like, yes, I'm finally going into full-time ministry because this was my, like, call. This is why the Lord has called us to stay here because I'm finally, like, this is my shot. And uh, needless to say, what it was is that we were about to go through the toughest season in our marriage, and no way would we have survived that being in California away from community and friends and family. And uh, so we basically paid your dad... <laughs> An outrageous amount of money. I Our mean, not, first not debt that we had as married couples <laughs> was ridiculous. We paid $2,000 to rent a U-Haul to move back stuff that was not even worth $2,000. Yeah, I, I don't think we had $2,000 worth of We should have just left it there, that. let the yeah. like, people, the storage company, sell it off and bought new stuff. Yes. It, was, it was not smart. But yeah, it yeah. was not smart. Had to pay that off. I'm like, that's so, ridiculous. So but, we yeah. moved everything back. We kind of stayed here. I was working full-time. Nikki was working. And... Um, just, I mean, you know, two years into our marriage, kind of comes, I'm driving down the road, I hear this word from the Lord about divorce, and uh, we were kind of going in it, but like divorce was not even on our radar. You know, we were very adamant at the beginning. We wouldn't even joke about divorce. Like divorce was not even a topic of conversation. Uh, I've shared it before. Between my mom and dad, there's 11 marriages between the two of them. So you can figure out that math <laughs> between two people being married 11 times. You know, Nikki came from a divorce home that wasn't great. Um, so neither one of us had this like premier example of what marriage should look like, you know? And, uh, I just knew that, Hey, I didn't want to repeat my current family cycle and be married up teen times because that was what my parents did. You know, uh, I love my dad. Uh, but I still remember this, this piece of advice as he was going through a divorce when I was in high school. And, uh, he would probably cringe if I said this, but he said, you know, Lonnie, the, the easiest way to get over one is just to find another one. And I was like, as a high school kid, I was like, that makes sense, Dad. I think I'll hold on to that. And, and that was my dating philosophy for a long time, is that if I knew it was coming around the corner and it wasn't going well, 
you just have a backup, right? That's, that's just what you do, and that's, that's healthy. That was, that was it. And uh, thankfully, along the line of, of meeting Jesus and having some conviction, I realized that my, uh, my thought process on dating and relationship probably wasn't super healthy. And, um, and so we just knew, hey, I didn't want to repeat that, but I didn't know how not to repeat it. And so we go through this, and, and about two weeks after I get this word from the Lord, um, I tell people the only way I can describe it is if you ever watch a surf movie and the surfer gets caught up in the tidal wave and he doesn't know which way is up and down, like it just has turned them. That's what I felt like. I mean, I don't know how to explain it to you. I've never been in it before or since, but nothing made sense. We were, getting, we were in the process of being sued. Uh, our house had been broken into. We, our landlords were trying to sue us over some crazy stuff. We were working, I think at the time you were working second shift and I was working first. It, like, it was just craziness. And we hit this spot and man, it was just like chaos in our world, especially in my world. And, um, you know, Nikki was having a hard time with some stuff and she would, you know, she would ha- just have these breakdowns where mm-hmm. like, I couldn't fix her. I didn't know what to say. I thought, again, I was still in this place of like, can't tell anybody because Rodney and Bill said, don't get married. And here we are. We got married, you know, what about you dummies? And, uh, you know, I'm like, but I, I can fix her. Like, I, you know, as good as I am, I can do it. And uh, I just remember, I still remember this night, we were in the bed and uh, she said, hey, can we talk? And man, when she said it, it was like someone hit a light switch and every emotional connection I had for her just went out. Yeah, the that was the only warning that I got or knew that something was wrong in our marriage was that moment. Up until that moment, I had no idea what he was going through. I had no idea what he was contemplating because he was so worried about hurting me that he was scared to tell me where he was at. And so, but that night, I don't know, like, like he says at a light switch, in that moment, all the love that I had felt in our home was gone. Like, and I laid in the bed confused because I was like, this is weird. I don't know. He didn't say anything. I just literally said, I think we should talk, which don't say late at night, just everybody, yeah. especially if you're young, shut you up. Like, don't talk late at night. Like, we, we set that up. Like, if it's after 10, just stop. Like, no, no conversations after 10. And so I just felt every bit of love, like, gone. Like, it, our house felt empty. And that, I, again, I didn't know what to do with that, but that was, it got dark. And yeah. really, it was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I thought I was just tired. I'll go to sleep. I'll wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Things will be back to normal. And woke up, and it was like, like being in the house with just someone I never knew. Like mm-hmm. I just no emotional connection. Yeah, I told you I was harsh. It is. It was like me looking at a wall, and just like there was no feeling. There was nothing there, and uh, and that started to scare me because I'm like, you know, what do I do with that? How do I how do I do life with somebody that I can't even connect with? And um, I was getting so stressed at the time. I was like 24. I was having anxiety attacks, panic attacks. I remember one time I actually thought I was having a heart attack. I was so stressed out. My heart was beating. I started getting numb. Like, I mean, at 24 years old, you know, heart attacks aren't great at any age, but at 24, you're not even expecting it. And I was so stressed out because I had kept all this stuff inside. Because again, I, I thought I was, I was helping Rodney. I was actually the junior high pastor at the time. And, um, you know, I was like, man, I'm in ministry. I can't, you know, I can't bring this junk out because... How do you lead ministry and be right in the middle of a messy, messy marriage? Like, you, you know, 
Again, it just shows you how much negative, stupid thought process we pick up along the way. And it shows you how important it is. If I actually would have just went to Rodney and said, hey, like this is what's going on, I bet his response to me would have been way different than what I had picked up in my head. Like, you know, we build up stories a lot of times in our head that we think this is what's going to happen instead of actually going to the source or going to the person and saying, hey, this is what's going on. You'd be surprised at how much support you actually get versus how much criticism, you know, criticism you think you're going to receive. And uh, so, man, we hit it. It was just, it got to the point we actually separated. Um, we were trying to figure out who was going to stay in the apartment and who was going to sleep at their parents' house, and we kind of switched it off. And uh, I was, like, planning junior high camp. And I remember planning junior high camp. Uh, I went and met with them. My, uh, I had a friend that was an attorney, and I said, hey, like, I need you to draw up divorce papers. Like, the only thing that made sense in that moment in that season was, like a Band-Aid, just rip it off. Just get a divorce. I was looking at places in another city that I could move to. I could get a job there because I couldn't do ministry anymore because then I'd be divorced. And, I mean, it was just a season of just absolute chaos for me. And um, I wouldn't tell any, like, Nikki didn't know this. Nobody knew any of this stuff. And I was just like, I was like just trying to create this game plan. How can I rip this off and just be done with it as quick as possible and just get the pain over with? And uh, I was like, I'll do junior high camp. And then when I get back from junior high camp, I'll let Nikki know that we're getting a divorce. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what I happened. Let it, it, it was actually a great junior high camp. <laughs> we had kids getting no, saved and baptized. It was awesome. With, yeah, this like, this yeah. shows you you could be yeah. super dysfunctional. God still the Holy Spirit yeah, is still, still way better than stuff, you are. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in in our dysfunction, you know, it still turned out amazing. And we got back, and I told Nikki like, "Hey, this is where I'm at. Like, I can't. I was so hurt. Like, I, I remember crying on the couch. Like, I can't. I just can't do it anymore. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't have a." I don't have a button I can push to solve it. Like, I'm just, I'm out of answers. You want to talk about a bad day coming home from work? Yeah. I just came home from work. (laughs) Just thought it was like any other day I was going to cook dinner. And to my surprise, he had never said the word divorce one time in our whole time together. Not dating. We'd agreed very early on in our relationship that we couldn't afford to say the word divorce. We couldn't speak it because it was too much in our family. Like we're like, if we're going to make it, like we can't even say the word. And it was just super shocking. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I still remember almost being sick knowing that I was about to have that conversation with her coming home. And it was like this almost relief of me holding on to it for so long, but then also this realization that, hey, I'm about to do something that I know. He isn't. dropped a bomb on me, yes. Yeah, that, that wasn't like, yes. it, it's, a, it's a weird place yeah. that I was in because I knew somehow consciously that what I was doing wasn't the right answer, but it was the only answer that made sense in that moment. Like, it, just, it was just so much chaos. And um, so I told her, we had that conversation, she was way more honoring and supportive than she, that she really needed to be. Like, you know, she really could have gave it to me and I would have deserved every bit of it. And she was like, look, you know, if you're that hurt by me, like, you know, I love you enough that if that's what you need, then that's what I'll do. And you can have all the stuff, which I didn't care, but I just, I wanted to run. Like, I was just, yeah. I, I needed to get out of here. Yeah. And this was the one thing tying me in was, was her. And, and so if I cut that and go, like, it would make my life easier somehow. Like, and that just shows you where the enemy gets you, right? Where you get in so much mess sometimes, you're like, oh, the stupidest responses somehow make the most sense. You know, you're like, you know, looking at it now, I'm like, what an idiot. Like, that was, that was definitely a dumb idea. But somehow in that moment, it was like, you're the wisest man ever, Lonnie. This is exactly what you need to do. And um, so we, we had the conversation. Uh, I went and had the papers drawn up. I remember my, my attorney, who still to this day is a friend of mine and is a Christian, 
being in his office and him trying to discourage me, like, hey, uh, I've, you know, statistics show that couples that get to this place and actually decide not to go through it have a stronger marriage. And, and he's like having all these conversations, really trying to encourage me. And I'm like, hey, I appreciate it, but I'm pretty like set. This is what I need. And he's like, okay, like I'll, I'll draw him up. You know, if that's, if that's what you're at. But if you, if you want to change it, if you decide to change it, you just call me and, and like, I won't charge you. Just we'll rip it up and whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty set, but thanks. And uh, Nikki had to go mess it up and uh, went over to Rodney and Debbie's house, you know, telling on me basically. <laughs> and uh, and I, remember, I remember, still to this day, I remember Rodney calling me and I knew when the phone rang, you know. Uh, hey, you, can, you, can you talk? Can you come over? Yep. <laughs> I, I figured it was coming eventually, right? And uh, I remember us sitting out in front of the, the barn and just kind of talking it through. And, and it was kind of this place where Rodney knew a little bit of history, but he didn't know the full context. And, and, uh, and he was kind of in a similar place, like, you know, I don't, I don't have a hard answer for you. Like, I don't, I don't have a fix-all. Uh, but the one thing I'll ask you is, will you give it a week? Just wait a week. And if you still feel that way at the end of the week, like me and Debbie will walk with you and Nikki through it and we'll figure it out. And I was, you know, it's like, I've already made up my mind, but out of my honor and respect for Rodney, I was like, I'll give it another week. It sucked up for two years. What's another week to endure, you know? And uh, so I was sleeping on my dad's futon, which is every 24-year-old's dream. And uh, we were kind of going through, and this was uh, Sunday night. So Monday morning, she, was, she had already agreed to go sign the divorce papers. So this is my favorite part of the story, <laughs> is you're never too far gone. Like wherever you're at in your marriage, like you're not too far gone because we were eight hours away from signing divorce papers that I didn't even want to sign. Like we were eight hours from, it was midnight when he came in. I had agreed to go sign divorce papers with a man that I love that I had never, I never had a plan B. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I was full in. I was full team wanting. I was on it. I didn't know he was hurting, and I didn't know I was hurting him, and I'll get into my side of the part of that then, but I literally, like, God answers prayer, and he is a midnight hour God. Like, I'm an, it's literally midnight. I'm asleep. Like, I've already accepted. I mean, I've cried myself to sleep. I'm asleep, and I wake up, and it's literally, I don't know. I can't, if it had to be like 11.30, and I sat up in bed, and I said, God, if we have any chance, you have to speak to him tonight because like I will sign those papers even though I don't want to because I will not continue to hurt him the way that I have. I won't. And I said, so if you're gonna do anything, God, you have to do it tonight. And I literally said, and I don't know, this is years ago. This is like 2009. So everything back then was like got milk. I don't know if y'all remember that. Everything's like got milk. Everything was got milk. But the one thing that stuck out to me about the got milk billboards that were everywhere was that they were black and the, the writing was white. And it was clear. The font was good. You couldn't get lost in the busyness of anything. And I literally said to God, <laughs> You got to give him a got milk sign, God. <laughs> like he has to see it. Like he has to hear you. It has to be clear. He, it has to be clear. You have to talk to him or else it's done. Whatever our marriage was meant to be, it's done. And, you know, I was holding on to like, maybe he could marry me again in the future. You know, I was throwing that, that out there. But like, that was just like trying to tend to my heart. But I just said, God, you have to be clear. And I can't explain it, but like I 
passed out. Like I just sat up, give him a got milk sign and I fell asleep. And then within a half an hour, I woke up and he'll tell you what happened before, but I woke up to scared me to death because he came into our house, which he had not been, and unlocked the door and let himself in. And I'm like the single, you know, 20 year old, like in this apartment and I'm freaking out because somebody's coming in my door and I was not expecting him to come in the door. And I hear jingling of keys. And so that'll lead up to what happened with him on the flip side, but... Well, it's a beautiful thing when you have a spouse that actually loves the Lord and and (laughs) prays when you're in a stupid season, uh, which is exactly what I was in. But uh, like I said, obviously, unknown to me, I I fell asleep on my dad's futon and was just kind of in preparation that, hey, next morning, Nikki will go, finalize the divorce, and then I'll start looking for, you know, a way out. And uh, I, I couldn't tell you the time. I guess it was probably around midnight. I was dead asleep. And uh, I heard the, the audible voice of the Lord. I, I've heard it twice in my life, and both times have scared the absolute uh, bejesus out of me. But uh, dead asleep, the Lord said, wake up and go home and be with your wife. And, I mean, it woke me from a dead sleep, and I jumped up, and just like that, I had complete clarity. Like, I, the season I'd been in of just chaos and all this stuff was completely gone, and I, I had complete clarity. And I remember thinking, Lana, you dummy, what are you, like, what are you doing? Uh, go home and be with Nikki and, like, make this thing work. Like, you, you said, I do, and you committed your life to her, and now you were getting ready to, like, toss it. And I was just, like, I just had this moment of clarity. And uh, I grabbed my stuff and drove to the apartment. Didn't realize I'd scared the bejesus out of her coming in. But, um, (laughs) but, you know, like even in that, you know, I thought I had, I tell Nikki this, like I had this expectation, you know, you see all these Hallmark movies and all this stuff. And I was like, all this clarity, as soon as I open the door and she sees me and I see her, it's just fireworks and and love and passion and all this emotion is going to kick off and, you know, it's going to be great. And uh, I remember I opened the door and she kind of came out and I looked at her and it was, it was like it was before, like I had zero emotional connection to her. And I remember just kind of pausing and asked the Lord, like, I know I heard you. And he's like, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember thinking, like, all right, like, game on. Like, <laughs> and I remember talking to Nikki, like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I, I was about to ruin this thing. Uh, I, I told you I do. I told you I committed to you, and I was about to throw it away, and I'm sorry. Um, we're going to have to work this thing out, and it's not going to be easy. I think I actually told her, which probably in hindsight was not great, that I still have no, like, emotional connection towards you. No, it was worse. But, no, yeah. say what you said. <laughs> it was in, worse in my wisdom now, I probably would have left <laughs> it was that worse. part Let's out be for real. another time. Uh, I was not the most I have poetic. no feelings for you. What? This is to a woman, okay? Yeah. I have no feelings for you. Like, none. None. And he kept on saying it, none. I just want you to know. But I am committed to you. But I feel nothing for you, and this I don't know if I ever will again, <laughs> but I'm committed to you. You've never read poems written by Lonnie Grimes for a reason, right? You don't see me on Hallmark cards. I, I know my strengths no and my feelings. weaknesses. No feelings. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I probably, like, I probably reiterated what? that one a little bit too much. But, yeah, uh, I was like, but 75 I, times I got it. In you know, my heart, I, I was it. trying to express, uh, like, hey, I, I he, am he committed. He didn't want to set me up for, I, I am committed to you. Like, like, I don't know what we're going to do and how this is going to work yeah. out. And honestly, in my head, I thought, like, I'm about to have this like loveless marriage for the rest of my life. He was committing I, himself you know, to because like I'm going to walk this thing through mm-hmm. and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And it sucked to be honest with mm-hmm. you. It was tough. Like it wasn't. You know, I hear people. This is what aggravates me when I hear people. I just fell out of love. No, you just got lazy. 
Like, you didn't fall out of love. You just got lazy. And, like, marriage is challenging. I mean, you know, we've been together for almost 17, like, married almost 17 years, together 19 years. And there's never been a moment where it's like, man, this is easy. Like, just coasting on through doing the thing. Like, like every day you have to be intentional. Like, you realize how selfish you are. You know, you realize moments where you're like, man, I don't, like... I don't want to do this. But like I said yes to you and like you're the most important human being to me. So I'm going to, I want to walk this through whether I want it or not. And I remember just in that moment thinking like, oh man, I, I said I do. And I'm over here trying to, I don't. And it's like, I have to, I have to make this happen. And, uh, and it took us, it was a journey for me of like six to eight months before I ever started feeling anything for her again. And we would just go through the routine. Like, we would go on dates. We would, like, be intentional with each other. We would do stuff and just kind of waiting. Like, just kind of, like, just going through the motions in a sense, but being intentional with each other. Like, hey, you know, and I had to put some parameters. I had to tell, like, hey, if you have a bad day right now, I can't know about it. Like, I, I was so emotionally fragile in that season where I had to put parameters on where we were at. And that was super tough, you know, tough for her. And, you know, having your spouse say, like, hey, if you have a bad day, like, you need to hang out somewhere else for a little bit until you work it out. Like, I, I was so broken in that mm-hmm. moment that it was like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, I wasn't entirely sure what my capacity was. Mm-hmm. And I was so worried that if she had a bad day and I experienced it, that I would catch myself wanting to run again. Um, and, and people, you know, people started kind of finding out that we're close in our world and, would call and check in. They're like, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, because I didn't tell you. <laughs> like, you didn't have an idea because I kept it so close to the chest. Like, you know, I thought I could do this thing by myself. And I started realizing in that season, like, oh, like I actually need, com- you know, I need community. I need moms and dads. I need people that have been through tough seasons to say, like, you're two years in. Like, it, it gets better. Like, you know, you're figuring this stuff out. And uh, we just kind of went through it for, like I said, six to eight months. And, and it wasn't like I just woke up one day and was like, oh, it's there. It was like this gradual process to me, like, oh, okay, like, like there's, there's this emotional connection again. Like, oh, there's, like, I actually started getting where, man, I can't wait for her to get off work so we can yeah. hang out. Like, so if you I, don't I like your stuff. spouse currently, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> there is hope. There is yes. hope that yeah. you can have fun again and that you will have fun again. And it will be awesome. So, like, there's hope because, like, again... Yeah. Zero so, feelings to, like, so many feelings is, is possible. And we tell people, you know, some of the best things in life are a fight to get to. You know, I think we, we, we've developed this culture in, in everything, especially marriage, where um, it's good when it's easy, right? And then when it gets inconvenient, it's less good now. And, uh, you know, and we're so, you know, divorce rate in the church is, is 50%. They said the average, uh, average lifespan of a marriage for people that get a divorce is about seven years. So people get about seven years in, and they're like, I'm out. And I can't tell you how many couples we've known personally through the years that were just phenomenal. We watched them date. We watched them kind of do life together. And then several years in, they're like, oh, we just fell out of love. I just don't feel the same. And I'm like, no, like you, you're just lazy. You just got lazy and selfish. Like, let's just be honest with ourselves and, and take some responsibility and say that's what it is. Like, you didn't fall out of love. You just got lazy and selfish. And I, and I tell people, and me and Nikki talk about this, there are excusable reasons for divorce, mm-hmm. right? We're, like, if you're in an abusive relationship, there's infidelity, like, there are biblical justifications for divorce. And I never want people to feel shame attached to stuff. Like, the enemy uses shame to shut things down all the time. And, and so don't feel shame attached to any of that stuff. Even if you've been through a divorce and you're like, yeah. mine didn't even fall in that, like, 
the Lord is such a restorer in your life that like, yeah. don't attach shame to that, that stuff. Like he's really good at bringing restoration back into your world. Yeah, and I mean, I, I look at that and like hitting on that, you know, my, my dad was divorced from my biological mom when I was really young. Um, he married my stepmother and they were together and like marriages are deemable. My dad was married to my stepmother for, you know, 30 something years before she passed away. And it was, it was good, you know, <laughs> and I look at that and I'm like, don't take this on yourself. If you've already been through divorce, like just, it's okay. Like the line that you're in right now, the marriage that you're in right now, everything is applicable. So there's no shame, you know, like, yeah. again, we can't shame divorce because <laughs> like our parents, like we love our parents and we can't, you know, like we can't even yeah. do that. So. Yeah. Shame is such a robber. Man. Yeah. It just, don't pick it, it up, just takes yeah. so much. And it's one of those, like you give it an inch and it will take a mile. Like it will pull from you. And so, but you also know, like, again, coming from someone who, again, a beautiful thing Lonnie and I both had, and I, and I harp on him, and I was harsh on him, you know, saying he had no feelings, but, like, and just commitment, but no, like, that's really what it takes. Like, I'm grateful that the commitment was there and that he took that, but being someone else who's very, like, loyal, if you are in an abusive relationship or something like that, please don't take it, like, just continue to push through. Like, that is something that you need to reach out about, and, um, I come from victims of abuse in my family and I have been one of myself. So like, don't take it that way. Yeah. And I don't want to pretend that there's not anybody in here that's in that situation. So yeah. you never know. But um, yeah, I wanted to back up and kind of like do a smidgy part if you're good with that. Do um, a smidgy Okay. Part. So I want to give some context to Lonnie's season that he was going through because as you listen to things and like everyone always says that there's two sides to every story, you know, and he gets a lot of like the harp in our healing because he was the one that walked away at that moment. You know, the repair had to begin with him because he was the one that walked away, but there was no small part that like I didn't play in that. Like he didn't get into the season that he was in by himself. And I want to make sure that that's recognized. You know, um, a lot of times mental health is not talked about and we don't share about it and we don't talk about issues that we've had and things that we've been through. Um, it's just an area of the church that we don't address. And I had undiagnosed OCD and I didn't know it. I was very, very young and it served me in my well, my life well before marriage. <laughs> I was, um, I graduated at the top of my class. Like everything that OCD did in my life, it protected me. It kept me safe. It, you know, like I, I performed well. I was, the things I needed to be successful in, I was successful in, but that can really get out of control. And I grew up and it's not a negative thing. Like we're, we're in a generation now and I know there's so much like harping on our generation and how we parent and all of that stuff. But one thing I could say is that we picked up from the last generation is that we do honor mental health and we do see it and we do talk about it and we do take our kids for evaluations and we do things now that in our parents' generation, it was shameful for them. And I was brought up in a household that said, if you go to counseling, you're crazy. And so I, again, like nobody's fault. My parents are not villains. Like it's just what they believed, you know? And so I just grew up fighting a battle on my own, completely on my own that no one knew about that, you know, I got praised for. I woke up at 2 a.m. every single morning to do homework. Okay, 2 a.m. 
Struggle and, I didn't have. Yeah, but that was praise. Everybody just said, oh, she's such a great student. No, that's not normal. If your baby is waking up at 2 a.m. to do homework and freaks out every year that she's going to fail and she's not going to remember anything, like it's just not a time to have a conversation with your daughter and just say, oh, you're fine, you know, because they're not, you know, and I wasn't. And nobody knew that. And again, there's no shame. Like my dad had no idea. I don't even think he knows what OCD is at this point, you know. And so like it's just, it's no shame. But I was fighting that on my own and I got married and I thought, oh, great. He can help me, you know. That's what we think, right, as women sometimes. <laughs> you know, he felt like he could fix me. And again, it wasn't coming from this like he had to, but I was looking at him in that, like, rescuer role, that he can help me, he can be there. And for me, um, after getting saved, OCD morphed into something bigger than it was because it attached to religion in my life. And I became obsessed with being saved. And it became the most important and valuable thing to me that there was, was to secure my salvation. And like, and I know that you've seen things and you can picture the hand washing and doing all that, but it's so much deeper. Like that obsession of what you can see someone washing their hands, that was me on my knees in the shower every single night of my life, begging God to forgive me and to save me. And the, he didn't know that until we got married. <laughs> He kind of knew that I dealt with it, but I just like hid that part of me because like obviously you can hide that. But when you're married, someone steps into the shower. You know, when I lived at home, nobody was coming into the shower and he would go to get in the shower and be like, what? <laughs> what is happening? You know, and I'm like, oh God, like, uh, hold on. Like, let me, you know, like get out of this. And so again, we struggled with that on our own and he had done everything that he could to help, and again, he didn't, I didn't know it was OCD. He didn't know it was OCD. Like, we had no, like, there, we weren't even sharing with anybody, really, that could even give us that input. And so we were walking through a huge battle. And I mean, the battle, it almost destroyed me. Like, I mean, I literally would lay on our floor. And so the two years that he's talking about, I laid on our floor and I screamed that I didn't want to live because it hurt too bad to and that's what he came home to. So when he was working three jobs and going to ministry school, he came home to a wife saying she didn't want to live. That's tough when you love someone. So he gets a lot of harp on walking out, but it's hard. And so, like, it was a battle. We were in the battle. And that's why I want to say, like, anything that's in the dark has the power to take you out. Because that's what the enemy does. He leaves it in the dark. Because you won't survive in the dark. You know, you just won't. And so, like, again, I, I hope we do better as a church in the future of, like, addressing things and, and getting resources. Because, again, I went to people who were, but nobody had resources. You know, they didn't know, and I didn't know how to explain it. And so there was a lot going on for me in that season, and it had gotten so intense. I remember he would try to make me laugh. But I, I didn't even want to laugh anymore because I said, I can't spend any brain power on anything else other than like knowing, 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 knowing that I'm saved. Like that's all that matters to me and nothing else. And he would try to tickle me and I hate being tickled. But he was doing everything he could to like connect with my world and to help me out of that space. And he couldn't. And he couldn't because he could, we didn't even know what it was. And he tried so hard to the point where he couldn't try anymore. And at that point, the day... And I remember this, the day that he left, and this is how 
deceived you can be, okay? Like, this is, makes no sense to say out loud. I literally, the day that he left, said, I you know, want a divorce, all of that. I got on my knees, and I said, God, I have to tell people what's going on. I can't do it on my own anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna, I've already lost my marriage. Like, I, I'm, like, going to lose my life. Like, I can't, I got to get help. And I'm like, that should have been obvious. But, like, in that moment, I was like, okay, I can't do it on my own anymore. <laughs> like, it's, I'm, Lonnie's, you know, like, can't help me. Like, it's fine. And so, like, that began the process, like, of, you know, my healing journey. And, you know, and obviously, you know, I've, I come out, you know, like, and you learn things along, like, where did this come from? You know, well, I had abandonment trauma. I was abandoned by my mom, my primary caregiver, when I was 18 months old. I had anxious attachment, you know, like, things were real. I had childhood complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, I went into a coma when I was four because of separation anxiety. Like, I came into this marriage wounded (laughs) and alone because we thought that, we believe in Jesus and we're Christians and we should have it together and nobody else is going through this. And that's what we believed. And it's just not true. And that's, you know, but it's like the enemy keeps you in the dark. And that's part of where like how I wanted to like wrap up is like in the dark, like there's a level of commitment and because of Lonnie Graham's commitment, (laughs) you know, as painful as it was to hear that it came without feelings, you know, I'm so grateful for it, you know, because it was the ground that, like, carried us through in that time. And so, like, but on top of commitment, I wanted to talk about, like, what do you do when it's dark? What do you do when, like, commitment is gone? Even your commitment to the Lord, you're like, I don't know, like, God, you'll forgive me. You'll give me something better one day, you know. Like, what do you do when it's dark? You don't move. Like, when it's dark in your life, you reach out. You ask for help. Because if you were thinking, and I think about this often, like if you just went blind, like all of a sudden, you should stay still. You shouldn't move. You need someone that you trust to come, stand in front of you and say, okay, move to the right. There's a step coming here. You're going to need to go to the left a little bit. Got to move this tree branch out of the way. You know, you don't move. It's dangerous to move in the dark. It's dangerous. You don't know if you're going to go off a cliff. You don't know if you're going to step out into the road. You need to have people in your life that you can call on that can lead you when it's dark because maybe you've been in the dark before. Maybe you are in the dark, but like, wait. (laughs) When you're in the dark, don't move. Like, reach out. Have some people in your life that you can trust when you can't see. Because like, I couldn't see. There's He couldn't see in that season. And I'm so glad just again, out of honor, he was able to, to listen to um, Brother Rodney at that time and just say, okay, I can give it a week out of honor. And the thing that I love about that is because the verse in Isaiah that says like, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Like we hit that verse a lot. But if you back up a couple verses, God is actually saying that like, do you not know who I am? I am the all-knowing creator who understands everything. I'm the smartest one there ever is, and I'm not lost. I'm not lost for understanding. I have all the intellect and everything to basically like, I want to read it, so I'll pull it up. (laughs) That he is all-knowing and that he knows what's going on right where you're at, and he'll meet you there. And so, if I can find it, but... Stay where you're at. When it's dark, don't make decisions. When you're confused, don't make decisions. Just stop. 
and call, reach out to people that are not in the dark because <laughs> they, can, they can see, you know, and have some people that you can trust and um, just wait. Because again, I, I look at that, Lonnie waiting, it sounds so silly, but a week. <laughs> that was the lifeline, enough time to create space to hear from the Lord, to wait for God, to bring clarity because he will. And so like, if you're lost today or if you might be lost one day in the future, because <laughs> it happens, you know, we don't always, we don't know what's gonna come up and how we're gonna get there. Just, I just encourage you, reach out, but wait. Like, don't make decisions in the dark. Like, and don't keep things in the dark, so. Yeah, and just understand that you, you made a commitment. You know, you, you said your vows, you said I do, you said for better or for worse, till death do us part. And sometimes I think we, we look at it as like a nice country song and we're like, oh, that's great lyrics. Like, but let's be honest, if it doesn't work out, divorce lawyer is pretty cheap and we'll just wrap this up. Three ninety nine. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. You see them on billboards all yeah. the time, right? And we've just kind of developed this culture that that's, that's it, you know? Like, you just... Like my advice, the quickest way to get everyone is just find another one. And that's kind of the mentality we've picked up. Instead of just saying like, hey, we're actually going to walk this through. Like some of the best things in life, you have to walk through the fire to get to. Like it's tough. And, and honestly, since we've been through that, like not that we've not had issues and bumps and challenges because we have, but our marriage has been way, way better now than it was the two years prior. Like, I mean, even our emotional connection, because we, we said, look, look, this sucks. We have to walk through this thing. We have to fight through this thing. But because we fought through it, we know. It's like, you know, running on the SWAT team with my guys, when we hit a place, like, I know that I know that I know because we've done so much stuff together that when things hit the fan, like, I'm going to put my life on the line for every one of them. And I know they'll do the same. And there's something about this bonding you get when you've, like, been through a fight together and it was like that for Nikki and I when we got through the other side and started walking through it was like man like we, we can do this <laughs> yeah if we can walk through this we like can, everything we else can do a is, lot. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like and we put so much investment like so much of us had to go into making this happen that it's like man why would I ever just want to toss that aside and just like uh no that was good for 17 years but on to the next it's like but this is the idea the mentality that that so many carry and it's like man where's your commitment like, what do you want your kids to imitate? And that's been, you know, we were talking about it earlier. People say when you get married, like, it's one of the most challenging things you do, and then you have kids. But I would say, like, like no, raising kids is still way easier than the challenges in marriage because not only do I want to be a, a great husband to Nikki, I want my kids to look at our marriage and say, hey, this is the standard. Like, this is, and so not only do I have this, not pressure, but this, like, responsibility to be a good husband, but to also be a good father. And I was telling Nikki, I've met guys that were uh, good fathers, but not great husbands. I've never met a man that was a good husband and not a great father. Think about that. Maybe I'm wrong. I've not met everybody in the world, so it's possible. But I've never met a man that was a good husband and a bad father. But I've met several that were good fathers and bad husbands. So if I can be a great husband, doing the father thing almost is second nature. Because it says, what, what, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you can figure that out, everything else kind of rolls behind it, right? And that's challenging. That's, that's sacrificial, that's inconvenient, that's tough. But it's the best thing I've ever done. 
hands down, the best thing. Like I, I couldn't imagine doing the stuff we've done now and not have done it together. Um, and the two babies. And, like, yeah, and like gosh. the two kids. Like, <laughs> I know think they wouldn't be here. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, man, I, we just have such a passion and heart now for not just restoration of marriages, but actually healthy, happy marriages. Marriages shouldn't be a thing that you just struggle through until one of you kills the other one, like, right? You know, it's like, it should be something where, where it's like, man, it's actually, this is better than last year. Like, we've had some challenges, but it's better than last year. Like, it, it gets better. It gets better. And you're going to have stuff. That's why I said before, if you're in the season, you're like, man, my marriage is great right now. Great. Give it about five minutes, and you're going to hit a challenge along the way. It, it happens. That's why it's great to know that when you have these easier seasons, you should be building up that reserve in your marriage. Like there should be intimacy. There should be connection. There should be emotional connection. There should be like time together for when you hit those spots, you may not have time and opportunity to do that stuff then, but you're digging out of this history that we have together. And so I just want you to understand that, you know, we, we got a couple of weeks together to go through that, but I wanted you to kind of hear where we're coming from, kind of where our heart and, and some of our story is that, um, some of you have probably been married longer than I've been alive. Congratulations. You know, I love that. Um, but sometimes we can get this mentality of like, you've been married for 17 years? Like, amateurs. Like, what do you really got? And I tell people all the time, at 38 years old, I've traveled countries. I've been in law enforcement for 14 years. I've done ministry. I have a decent amount of life experience. Uh, but at home, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old that has very minimal life experience. And somehow they still manage to teach me stuff, right? So if my three-year-old and one-year-old can teach me stuff about life, I feel semi-confident that with my little bit of life and marriage experience, I can probably give you something. (laughs) Nikki can probably give you something if you'll just be open to it, right? So I just want to pray for you real quick. Um, We're going to cover a couple of topics in the coming weeks, you know, just talk about like next week we'll get into the importance of knowing ourselves and knowing our spouse and just the stuff that comes with that. Because if you don't, you can be married to somebody and not fully know them. Like, we did it for years. And when I finally realized that, like, oh, this is who I'm married to, like, this makes sense. Where was this 10 years ago? Like, why didn't I know this? Like, this makes me relate to her in such a different way. So we'll kind of get into that next week. But I just want to pray for you and then we'll dismiss. And again, if, you, if there's something going on in your world and you're struggling, come find us. Come chat with Rodney and Angie. I mean, we have several on our staff. Come, just, we don't have to give you answers. We just walk through it with you, okay? So Father, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you designed marriage. You designed it. And God, you have an intention for it and you have not just a um, plan, but you have a great, great plan for us in it. And so God, we just pray for every marriage in this house, even the ones that weren't able to make it tonight. God, that you just give us wisdom and revelation to see you in the midst, to see our partner for exactly who you created them to be. God, and that our assumptions and negative thoughts just wash away and we actually get to see and experience them for who you created them to be. So God, we're thankful for what's ahead. We're thankful for what you're doing. And we're thankful for the testimonies that come out in Jesus' name. Amen.